Welcome to Jersey Guy Sports, your sports talk home for the Yanks, the Giants, the Rangers, and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. I'm your host, Don. I want to thank you for listening. And today we're going to have a short podcast. I'll be talking about the New York Giants. Now the season is over. What changes are going to be needed for the New York Giants in the offseason in order to improve? So let's go ahead and get started. So my New York Giants were trounced on Saturday night in Philadelphia, again, losing 38-7 to the Eagles, and yet another debacle against the Eagles. It just happens every year and every time, and it's unfortunate. Um, And so ends a very promising and very improved New York Giants football season in which the team got much better, and under new management, hopefully there's some hope for the future. Um, Now... This crushing loss, 38-7 to at the end of the year, was both a blessing and a curse, right? It was a curse because, come on, it's the friggin' Eagles, and it's just so depressing to continue to lose to this team, and I just can't take it anymore. Um, the Eagles own the Giants, and it's very, very tough to see, and this, this curse with the Eagles has lasted forever, and we have to find a way to break it, so that's why it's a curse, but it is a blessing. And people will say, you know, you got killed. It was awful. Nothing went right. How could this possibly be a blessing? Well, because it properly opens the eyes of everyone looking at this Giants team that was looking at it under rose-colored glasses um, and overestimating how good this team was and what this team needs in the offseason, right? Uh, When you have such an improvement from year to year and the Giants were so bad for so long that just being 500, for example, this year would have been a tremendous improvement. Not only were they better than that, they got into the playoffs and won a playoff game. So this is incredible improvement. Um, But fans, you know, with recency bias tend to overestimate how good their team is. And sometimes, you know, also think their team is worse than it is in other cases. But in this case, it was generally a case of everyone and their mother thinking the Giants were better than they really were. Um, and certainly they've overperformed this year. And there's been tremendous management, tremendous coaching, and some improvements here and there along the way. But this eye-opening, crushing defeat to the Eagles was a blessing because now everyone can properly take a look at what this team needs. And I want to draw a temporary sort of... Um, comparison to to the Yankees in a different way. Um, And that is this. I've mentioned on previous podcasts more than once how part of the problem with the Yankees and all right, let me just lay this out a little bit. The Yankees continue to be a good to very good team every single year in perpetuity, but they have now not been a great team in over a decade. And the reason for that, ironically, is that they have been a little too good to make enough improvements, meaning that, and I've said this over and over on podcasts, the thought with Cashman, and he has passed his prime, and the team and management nowadays continues to be, we were so good, we just need to tweak this, make this one little addition. And that comes from winning a little too much, but not being good enough. So if you are in a position where you think your team is good, you're not going to tear anything up, right? You're not going to rip off the Band-Aid, make wholesale changes in order to get to the next level, which sometimes is needed. And for the Yankees, I've mentioned on many podcasts, that's been the case where they did not lose enough for wholesale changes to be made in the mind of the GM. He's not smart enough to make big changes 
when the team is a fairly good team. And that is a flaw, Brian Cashman. And it's a flaw of upper management. But it's a natural flaw. And it's I'm going to bring this back to the Giants in a second. When a team is, is good enough or perceived to be good, there is a natural tendency to not think you need significant changes, right? And so when a team's record is good enough, like the Yankees, Cashman makes very small changes. I'll add one pitcher. Now, we'll make this tiny tweak here. When you watch them play the Astros, and they're not even near at their level, but because the Yankees continue to win 96, 98, 99, 101 games, no one thinks the Yankees need to tear it up. And it's going to cost the Yanks again this year. The Yanks are not going to win anything. And I'm bringing this back to the Giants now. Had the Giants gone 6 and 11, 7 and 10, no one would have blinked an eye if Shane said, we have to really continue to make some wholesale changes around here, right? But the Giants got in the playoffs. They won a playoff game. Roman's riding high thinking we could beat the Eagles, which is hilarious. So there's this giant perception there was that the, the Giants don't need that much. They just need a small tweak here, this, that. The Giants need a lot of changes. And I'm going to detail them in a minute. But when I'm just to wrap up this blessing and a curse bit, this is a blessing because it shows just how far the Giants are from being a great team. And let me tell you, they are about a million miles <clears throat> from being a great team. And that's not to say that they're not a decent team or even a pretty good team. But you know what? There's a lot of miles between being a pretty good team and being a Super Bowl team. And they need to start traveling those miles. And it begins with the draft and free agency. And that's what we're going to talk about here. This was quite a fun year. They overperformed. But the blessing of that blowout loss is everyone can see just how much worse they are than what they need to be. Um, We need tons of improvements. There happens to be a lot of salary cap space this year. Thanks to Shane, Gettleman left us not only with a disaster of a team, but absolutely no salary cap last year. So the absolute bottom of the barrel, worst possible general manager you can do was done by Gettleman. So Shane had to not only try to improve the team, but do it with zero salary cap last year. Now, Shane's made a lot of cuts, um, some popular, some less than popular, made some improvements, and now we have, at the moment, over $50 million in available salary cap you know, to try to deal with this. So it's important, you know, as the offseason happens, that GMs and everyone um, relate a player's value to the money that they're seeking, right? So it's important in the salary cap world to make sure that not just that the player is good, but the player is worth X amount of money that they're going to pay, you know, or that they're seeking, or that the Giants are willing to pay. So let's detail the Giants' needs. I'm going to start with, you know, order of need here. So obviously, I think the Giants need wide receivers. Now, it's interesting because I'm recording this on Tuesday. But on Monday, it seems like general manager Joe Shane seemed to sort of downplay the need for a wide receiver, which I found interesting and slightly concerning. Um depending on what ends up happening here. We'll see. Um, he may just be sort of, you know, try, not trying to show his hand or, or you know, sort of doing other things around it. But the Giants need at least two very good wide receivers and at least one game-breaking wide receiver if they really want to break into the upper echelon of teams. Uh, now, Shane indicated that he may not draft the top 
wide receiver in the first round or two. But I'm sure he's going to address it in some way. We know that Galladay is going to be released, right? And he's been another disaster. Gettleman pick and weighing down our salary cap. Um, so that'll free up a little bit of additional money. Um, perhaps uh, Darius Slayton will be back, you know, along with Wandale Robinson. Um, and, and we may actually get Sterling Shepard back as well. I will have to see. Um, and we have a bunch of no names in addition to that, right? But we need more. No, none of the folks I just mentioned strike fear into any defenses, right? We need someone so good that other teams have to think about double teaming. It's something they have to game plan for, things like that. <coughs> we don't have one of those right now, and it needs to be addressed. So wide receiver is absolutely a top priority, whether Joe Shane thinks so or is just faking everyone out. It is a top priority, and it needs to be addressed. Um, on defense, there's almost no position that we do not need to improve. The, the more clear way to say that is we need help at every single defensive position. Linebackers, to start with. I mean, essentially, we need <laughs> an entire new linebacking crew. I don't like any of the Giants linebackers. They're all terrible. Um I mean, if you actually classify Mark Collins, who they brought in at the last minute as a linebacker, I guess I like Collins, but he's more of a safety. I don't know what you call him, kind of a rover. But in any case, the Giants need so many linebackers. It, it's just not possible to draft or trade for enough linebackers. that They need, if they got six new linebackers, I think we need them all, starting three or four and like three or four backups. We need all kinds of linebackers. They're all terrible we cannot stop the run the Giants defense cannot stop the run and a big part of that is we have terrible linebackers and it has to be addressed so we talked about wide receivers we talked about linebackers the Giants secondary on defense Uh, we need help I know there's been injuries this year Um, McKinney Dory Jackson Dory Jackson should be retained but we need another cornerback Probably another safety. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of Julian Love. He'll probably return. I, I don't know. We need a lot of help in the secondary, and that has to be addressed in some way, shape, or form. The offensive line, right? It's gotten better. And we drafted a first-round right tackle, and Evan Neal, who didn't have a great first year. Although I think that's being overplayed. Um, I think each and every mistake every week that happens gets magnified with Neil because he's a first-round pick. Um, I didn't think he had a great year, but I I don't think he had as bad a year as everyone starts to indicate here. I think he'll be fine. We'll see if there's improvement in year two, and hopefully there's additional offensive line improvements that get made. We'll have to see, but I don't think the offensive line, as it stands now, is good enough to win much here. Um. There is a piece to talk about regarding running back, and that is that, you know, Barkley is looking for something in the 15 to $20 million a year range, and that is just pure fucking lunacy. The Giants cannot pay Saquon Barkley 15 or $20 million a year. They cannot. It is not reasonable, and it's silly. He is in no way worth anywhere near that amount of money. It would be a gigantic gigantic mistake to pay him that money. It was a giant mistake for Gettleman to take him, number two overall. 
and it will be a huge mistake to keep him at 15 or 20 million dollars a year. You're just killing yourself. The Giants, as, as I'm talking about now, and we'll continue to talk about, need so many different pieces. You cannot waste money by paying a running back of any caliber 15 or 20 million dollars. And Barkley is not as good as many other backs in the league. And I'm sorry, I don't understand this aura around him. I did when he came out of college. I don't now that I've seen him for four or five years in in the NFL. You can get running backs anywhere, anywhere. Isaiah Pacheco from Rutgers was a seventh round pick, and he's the starting running back for the best offense in in pro football in the Kansas City Chiefs. A seventh round draft pick is the starting running back for the best offense in football. Tell me you need to pay Barkley, $20 million a year. Tell me why. I want someone to argue for me how in the world that is possibly a true statement. I will say this to you now. If you think Barkley's worth that money, you are off your friggin' rocker. There is no chance in hell that we should be paying him that kind of money, and it would be a huge, huge mistake to do that. Now, <clears throat> the one thing is this might be, I don't want to say it's out of <clears throat> Shane's hand, but there's greater things at play here. Uh, than in other areas in that Saquon Barkley is like the only marketable face and name that the Giants have, really. Nobody cares about Daniel Jones. So <clears throat> when people are making advertisements and the owner's talking about the Giants, the owner might have to get in play here, right? And say, ah, oh, Saquon Barkley and the Giants take on blah, blah, blah. He has sort of, in a way, become the face of the Giants, right? So it's more than just you know, how good is he as his position? You know, he's sort of a brand name for the Giants. So for Shane to not re-sign him, you know, there might have to be a talk with the owner. And we'll see what, you know, the Maras need need to say about this. So there, he may be hands behind his back a little bit here, Joe Shane, and what he can do and what he can't do. But the bottom line is that running backs are a dime a dozen. Some are better than others. But you can get a very, very, very good running back anywhere, anywhere in the draft and almost anywhere in free agency. I'm telling you, it is not needed. Barkley is not good enough at all to pay 15 or $20 million a year. And, and we should not be thinking about doing that. This would be a huge mistake. And I will not be happy if this happens. Next, Daniel Jones. Now, the Giants apparently have to re-sign Daniel Jones now. They're they're backed into a corner. Whether or not your opinion of Jones is that he is the next quarterback for the Giants and there's no problems, or whether you think, eh, you have five or six good games and four or five terrible years, it doesn't matter at this point. Because what I said at the beginning of the season before they played any games is where we are now. And that is that the Giants don't have a choice, right? Because as I mentioned before the season started, what's going to happen since they didn't draft a quarterback in last year's draft is they're going to win enough games this year that they will not be in position to draft another quarterback if they want one. And of course, that's where they are. Now, I didn't anticipate them winning nine or 10 games this year, but I did anticipate them winning enough to not be in a position at the top to draft a quarterback. And certainly that's where they are. So they have absolutely no ability to draft the top quarterback this year. So they don't have a choice, right? So now we're absolutely stuck with Daniel Jones, unless there's some sneaky free agent somewhere that no one in the world knows about. So the bottom line is it's going to have to be Daniel Jones. And we're going to end up paying him 30 
$32, 35000000 million a year, which is just batshit bonkers for a decidedly average at best quarterback in Daniel Jones. Now, most notably, he's played very well. At the end of the season, he had a tremendous game in his first playoff game against um, the Minnesota Vikings, where he led the team and was finally, finally, probably the best player on the field for the only time in his career. Um, and that's a significant step, especially in a playoff game. However, in a game against the Eagles, where the whole team was terrible, Jones was equally terrible. And I only say this because to pay someone $35 million a year and to have them be your quarterback of the future, you would think that the quarterback would be above average to good to great. And I'm thinking about all the good quarterbacks in the league. And if I put them in their spot in that Giants game against the Eagles, not anyone in the world, including Superman, would have led the Giants to win against the Eagles on Sunday. It just wasn't going to happen. And it probably wasn't going to be close. But I guarantee you, one of the great quarterbacks that came in, we would not be losing 38 to 7. There are plenty of times where Jones missed deep people with an open pocket, underthrew them a couple times. There was a couple other times where he made bad decisions, other times where he was inaccurate on short throws. It was everything that I said he did most of the year, but that he didn't do against Minnesota. And that is that bad decisions, underthrows, some inaccuracy, things like that. And again, I, it's such a fine line to walk with Jones, right? Because the team was so bad around him that it's hard to blame the quarterback. But you see other teams where quarterbacks rise above their team and just carry their team to certain things. And again, I'm not saying the Giants could have won this game or even been close, but other quarterbacks would have shown signs of a quarterback dragging their team forward. And Jones didn't drag anyone and almost dragged them backwards with his play. So I think he is, at best, a decidedly average quarterback. I mean, let's face it. If you have a very good team with a very good offensive line, a very good running back, and very good receivers, you're going to look good at quarterback. Let's face it. Unless you're just bottom-of-the-barrel drag, you're going to look decent. And that's how Daniel Jones has looked this year. Yeah, he's pretty decent, you know. He played in 16 NFL football games this year. 2022, Daniel Jones played in 16 games. He has 15 touchdown passes in 16 games. That is dreadful in modern NFL football. Having 15 touchdown passes in a season is awful. The great ones have 30, 40 touchdown passes in a year or more. Jones had 15 in 16 games. And again, uh, we don't have wide receivers, this, that, the other thing, right? Now, he has a ceiling, and that's my point. And, and the fact that we are now in this corner because we wasted two, three, four years where we sucked balls, we were in a position to get a quarterback, and we did not get a quarterback. Now we're in a position where we don't have a chance to get a quarterback, and he has an absolute ceiling. Daniel Jones will never be an elite quarterback. He needs receivers to finally get rid of what I would consider is his very last excuse for why he's not great. Because people have said 
you know, he needs time to get ready, right? He really needs a pocket. You know, we need to improve the pass protection. He needs a running game, too. And now the last vestige of why Daniel Jones is not a great quarterback is, you know, he needs an elite wide receiver, right? So when our receivers get back healthy next year and Shane improves the receiving core, we even got a tight end who's really good in Bellinger this year, right? And we've drafted linemen and we have, you know, a good running game and everything else. What's going to be left for people to say about why Daniel Jones, you know, is not a great quarterback anymore? You know, the, the excuses for me have kind of run out. And this is not to pound on Daniel Jones. It's just a state, you know, a state of the state for the for the New York Giants. And that is that we are stuck with him. And that's the bottom line. We're stuck with Daniel Jones. There isn't any other options, right? So we're going to end up paying Daniel Jones 30 $35 million for what is going to be an absolutely average to below average quarterback. And that's it. That's the bottom line. Uh, he's not terrible. He's better than some of the quarterbacks in the league. He's nowhere near the elite quarterbacks in the league. Um, and that's it. And somehow that's worth 30 to $35 million a year. Maybe I should, you know, have another kid and have them, you know, try to grow up to be a quarterback. Cause that's insane. Um, one other thing. Well, maybe two. Dexter Lawrence is going to need to get a big contract in the offseason. He has had a tremendous breakout year. He has really sort of shown himself to be a quite capable defensive lineman and is deserving of a big contract. Jones will get a big contract, right? So that's two people that are going to take up a lot of that open salary cap money. Um, Joe Shane is going to need to manage the salary cap well. Uh, we do have over $50 million available now, maybe a little more once Galladay is released. Um, we need to continue to manage that well, and he needs to continue to get good perceived value for the assets that he will acquire. Again, and that's where Barkley fits in that thing. Barkley is not a good value. Right. He might be a good running back, but he's a terrible value. Right. If you paid him three or four million dollars a year, he'd be a great value because he's a, he's a pretty good running back. And that's all I think he is um, for what would be a pretty good price. And I would consider that value at 15 to 20 million dollars a year. It's a disaster. You're getting nowhere near what the value of paying someone that money is. Let's face it. You're not going to pay Dexter Lawrence that amount of money. Right. We're not going to pay our our best receivers that amount of money. We're not going to pay our best, you know, defensive players that amount of money. Um, you can't pay Barkley that, who is probably, you know, the 10th or 15th best running back in the NFL. It's just, you can't do that. It's not value. There's no value in that. And it's important when Joe Shane makes his draft choices, makes his free agent decisions, his signings, his cuts, trades, whatever he's going to do, that value is considered because we don't have unlimited money. This cap space, the year, you know, in this era of the cap space, you have to manage value and we're not getting value for Barkley. And we have tons and tons and tons of needs as I've just detailed. So it's going to be a very busy off season for Joe Shane and the New York giants. And, you know, I'm able to just touch on one other thing. There's lots of talk um, about the giants coordinators getting interviewed for head coaching positions, offensive and defensive coordinators. So the giants need to be prepared for possibly losing coordinators too, on top of everything else. So it will be a very, very busy off season for Joe Shane and the giants management for once in the past five years. So I have absolute confidence in that giants management at this point, 
we have the right people in place, the right coach, the right GM, and I'm excited to see what happens. But it is a continuing tall task to keep a calm head, manage the value, and continue to improve this team in the offseason. And I'm looking forward to seeing what Joe Shane can do. And that's all I have for you today, guys. So thanks for listening. So thank you for listening to Jersey Guy Sports. And I want you to please subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends all about it. I will be back soon with some more sports talk. Thank you and have a good day.